Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. There is something about human beings that make us differ significantly from all other animals. Every robin knows how to build a nest, every elephant knows what to eat, and every fish knows how to swim. That's because animals are born with instincts. An instinct can be defined as a natural impulse, capacity, or aptitude, and they are usually unerring. If what the animal needs for their survival is provided by the environment that surrounds them, they will survive. Except for a very few really essential things like the will to stay alive, humans are not granted such instincts. Each of us has to decide where to live, what to eat, what kind of dwelling to live in, and what to do for a living, and countless other things. Before you got here today, you may have decided what to eat for breakfast, what to wear, and how you would get here. Every day, you make countless decisions, and they come in all forms. When you decided to come here, you made a spiritual decision. If you voted, you made a political decision. If you're in a relationship or have any friends at all, you've made social decisions. There's no end to the decisions you have to make. If you had to think out every decision from scratch, you'd never get through a day. So we condense them into guiding principles. If you consider yourself honest, you don't have to think much about whether or not you will steal any money today or neglect to tell the salesperson that you've been given too much in change. The sum of all the things that you base your life's decisions on and the way you move through life can be called your philosophy. Since you don't have natural instincts, you have to have a philosophy. But most of us don't know consciously that we have a philosophy. It was cobbled together in a patchwork quilt. Some of your beliefs came from your parents and families, teachers, spiritual leaders, and others snuck in without much fanfare, from books that you've read, films that you've seen, and snippets of conversations you've caught here and there. Generally speaking, the more conscious such pithy decisions are, the better they are. So the impetus for my book was to make you aware of the kinds of things that make up a philosophy and to guide you to making your own personal philosophy, something that you are consciously aware of. As you consider what values are and where they came from and whether or not they still serve you. If you keep an open mind, my book will introduce you to other ways to look at life. Along the way, you'll learn something about some of the great philosophies that have entered the human story. They range from knowing something about the golden age of philosophy in Greece to Asian philosophies from China, India, and Tibet. While some of these eventually become religions, like Taoism and Buddhism, they started first as valuable philosophies of life. It is those aspects that I cover in the book, the philosophies, not the religion. I have also included enough to give you a general idea of Hinduism, the most popular religion in India, the largest democratic nation in the world with over a billion residents. I also discuss things like 
perennial philosophy, pluralism and relativism. However, unlike many, I don't think that all religions or all people are alike. They are very certainly alike in their being deserving of the utmost respect. But the thing that is the most fascinating about all of us is our differences. I prefer to celebrate differences instead of looking at differences as divisional. That's why there are countless kinds of cuisine that we all enjoy. That's why Amazon has a catalog of about 50 million books. And just like you may have been raised on one type of cuisine, you can learn to appreciate and love many other types. There is so much for us to learn from each other as we learn about our differences and how magnificent so many of them are. Another reason why I prefer to celebrate and embrace our differences. The more you tell me how much you are exactly like me, the less I learn. The more you tell me how you are different, the more I learn. Life is one big school, and we can learn from everyone we encounter, especially if we stay open-minded. So my book, Know Yourself, will expose you to some of the other ideas throughout the world in hopes that you will find new ideas that you may not have known about before that might enhance your life for having been exposed to them. The book also includes some exercises and meditations as well, and why they are so valuable in our quest for choosing the best answers for the choices we make. I would like to take you through one of the exercises now, which is from the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. But first, let me explain the very essence of Buddhist philosophy. The man we now call the Buddha did not start a religion. Nothing in his philosophy mentions a god or sin or heaven, Boiled down to its essence, it states, all living beings are tied together as one. We should respect, help, and love each other and do what we can to alleviate the suffering of others. In a word, it's all about compassion and love. And that's why the Dalai Lama has said on more than one occasion, my religion is love. I would like to introduce you now to one of their finest meditations. It translates in English as giving and taking. It has as its base your desire to take away the unhappiness of another and give them happiness. There are many variations of it, but let's begin with the easiest one. One that is directed towards someone you love. I like to call this one the heart-to-heart meditation. So close your eyes and I'll walk you through it. It goes like this. Picture someone in your mind that you love very much. Maybe it's a child away at school. Maybe it's a relative who lives in another state. Of course, it could be anyone, anywhere. Visualize that in the center of your heart, there is a shining jewel. And remember that each person has that jewel in their heart, which of course will include the person you are thinking about right now. And now imagine that you can send a light beam 
from the jewel in your heart to their heart. Now you you are connected heart to heart. As you look at their heart, you see a small gray circle about the size of a quarter. We all have some problems to deal with, some level of sadness or discomfort, and that gray circle represents the unsatisfactory part of our lives. Breathe in and out a couple of times. And visualize that small gray circle being brought up in front of the light beam that connects your hearts together. Now with one deep inhale, visualize that gray circle leaving their heart and connecting with this light beam. See this gray circle coming down to the jewel in your heart and disappearing in a bright flash. Your heart lights up with golden light. Now breathe in and and absorb as much of this healing golden light as you can. With an exhale, send that golden light over the beam and into their heart. You have just sent them happiness and joy. Tell them that you love them, and for now, you can break the connection and let go. You can do this any time you are missing somebody or any time you know someone is suffering and you want to send them love. Open your eyes and bring your awareness back to the sanctuary. Thank you so much for choosing to come here. I love you all. Thank you, Lexi. And now we have some music uh, from Heidi. Heidi, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? So next we're going to take a little bit of time to um, talk with uh, Lexi and uh, just get some background on her and and the reasons that she wrote the book and and, um, hopefully we'll have time for questions if if people have them as well. Um, So to start, uh, Lexi, what religion were you raised in? Uh, I was actually raised Methodist. I remember going to church with my mother and father, and my sister and brother. And that's why I chose these two hymns, because they remind me of my childhood. How great thou art, an amazing grace. They touch my heart deeply. Um, And I would say that, you know, Christianity is my anchor, and I describe myself as a tree. So if I were a tree, my trunk would be Christianity, but my branches would be Judaism and Buddhism and Hinduism, and Sufism. And so my anchor of having my my Christian childhood means everything to me. It's my refuge, but I've been able to learn so much from so many other traditions and religions, and it enhances my spiritual life very much. 
And so you were ordained as a Christian minister? Yes, I was. Yes. I got to go down to New York City, and they had this giant book down at City Hall, and you have to sign in. I have a picture somewhere long ago of doing that. (laughs) And I I often uh, officiate weddings. I just did one actually this week. It was actually a vow renewal of 30 years. And I do a lot of interfaith work. I'm an interfaith minister. So um, I sit down with a couple, and I say, this is your celebration. Tell me what you want. And then I go from there. That's lovely. And why did you write this book? Well, I've been working on it for several years. Um, I've wanted to write about my wonderful experiences with different teachers and my own journey. And then COVID hit, and I felt a calling to get it out sooner. Um, I feel that there's so much fear and distraction and anger. And the principles in this book talk about how we are all interconnected and interdependent upon each other. I always love Nicholas Vesey when he says, Declaration of Interdependence. The truth is we're very interdependent upon each other. We always have been. And many of the principles I write about in this book talk about that. Um, And I feel like it starts with self-awareness, and that's why it's know yourself. And then from there, being able, with an open mind, to talk and embrace other people and other traditions. So when COVID hit, I kind of was speeding up the process here, and I got the book out uh, December of last year. But I'd been working on it for about two and a half years prior. And um, so as I went through it, it occurred to me that it's a great book for people who maybe are just at the beginning of their journey, of their spiritual journey, just recognized a need or felt that they wanted to do some investigating. It's an amazing resource. It also seems like a great resource for people who are already on a path but are looking for ways to explain their spirituality maybe to their loved ones or their friends or their children who are asking questions. Do you, did you have a, a key person or a key group of people that you were writing for? Or? Well, I hope it's, and then I'll be reading from my book, that it's for all ages, of all backgrounds. Um, there's many questions that you ask yourself to go dive deeper into who you are, how to know who you are, what your principles are, what your philosophy are, what your religion is. And I think we all need something that guides us to kind of hone in on that a little bit. Again, we're so distracted, you know, social media, we're all so busy. And so, if you know, hopefully this book will allow the person to just dive deeper, get to know who they really are, and define some of these guiding principles that you are already living by. But it's just bringing more awareness and consciousness to them. And would you read a few of your favorite excerpts? Yes, I marked a few here. (laughs) So in the introduction, I said, you have the power to know yourself and transform yourself. What is necessary to change a person is to change their awareness of themselves. By Abraham Maslow. I published a series of five books that I consider to be messages from the heart. They are, what is spirit, what is peace, what is love, what is death, and what is laughter? As thousands of people from all walks of life shared their views, I came to understand that everyone carried a certain belief or point of view that was derived from their own personal philosophy on life. 
And in each of my books, people took the time to sit with me for an interview and to think about these topics. Spirit, peace, love, death, and laughter, and offer thoughtful answers from the heart. Having been privy to people's innermost thoughts and generous sharing, it was uplifting for me as the author and for the interviewees of my books to engage in these kinds of conversations. It was sometimes transformational because there was an open and honest dialogue that offered a way for both of us to share in a meaningful exploration. From former President Jimmy Carter to the waitress at a favorite restaurant, from top business executives, astronauts, school teachers, and new moms, I learned so much from everyone who shared their thoughts. Raising kids is hectic, and we all know that our beloved offspring develop their own minds and ways of doing things as they grow. This is how it's meant to be. As my kids were growing up, I realized that it was even more important for me to continue my own inner journey. As my meditation and spirituality practices progressed, I found myself thinking about a new book, a book in which I could share insights about one of the most important things I have learned, compassion. I thought the best way to do this was to share my own journey and to describe the fascinating and evolutionary pathways that led me to a more meaningful life. That's how Know Yourself, Develop a More Compassionate, Stronger, and Happier You was born, as a way to help others onto a path of true happiness. I hope it puts a smile on your face, or at least gets you thinking about things with an open mind. Just as the people featured in my other books were from all walks of life, this book is meant for readers from all backgrounds. My intention is that anyone of any age can find some value in these pages. My hope for all who hold this book in their hands is that you discover that the greatest teacher lives in your own heart and mind and that you have a personal well of insight. That's why discovering the truth of your own mind and heart is essential. What you'll find in these pages, this is not a book that insists you adopt a particular philosophy or spiritual approach. It is more of a guide to help you reach a greater state of self-awareness so that you can access the beliefs that drive and inspire you and add in some new ones you might discover along the way. Perhaps more importantly, it is hope that you can become more compassionate toward yourself, and this will extend to others. I have not lost connection to the messages of the heart that others so graciously spared and shared with me in my earlier books, but this book will focus more on cultivating an open mind and inspiring curiosity. You will learn some of my favorite approaches to a happier more compassionate life, including the four virtues of the heart from the Buddhist tradition. This book combines modern practices, ancient philosophies, mindfulness, meditation, and psychology. Most importantly, it will show new ways to focus our awareness, tame our minds, and find peace, calm, and happiness even in difficult times. I'm a minister, but this book is not meant to preach a certain belief or way of life. I consider this a call to action for the soul, your soul. 
We live in an age filled with distractions that prevent us from our own personal growth and that influence our views and life philosophy, and not always in a positive way. In the overwhelming nature of life's daily duties, we surrender to the path of least resistance, and sometimes we even seek out others to help us formulate our point of view. Or it could be that we choose to have no particular belief about life, and this can lead us to become aimless or unhappy. My deepest hope is that this book may be of use to you in finding your happiness, fulfillment, and true meaning in your life, that you come to understand the personal philosophy that has carried you through life and maybe make some new choices about your approach to life. Self-love comes first. The most important lesson you can learn is to be kind to yourself first. You can't give away money unless you have to give some away. And you can't take care of others if you don't take care of yourself. And you can't send out much love to others if you don't have any for yourself. No one can pour from an empty cup. So the first cup to fill up with compassion is yours. And I will end by reading my summary. The beautiful thing about your personal philosophy is that it's yours, and you can choose to tweak it, add to it, let things go, and explore new ideas at any stage in your life. You are never too old, and you're never too young. And even if you come from a life that was strict or guarded as a child, or as an adult, you can now make new choices. Follow your heart, trust your intuition, and learn, learn, learn as much as you can. Ralph Waldo Emerson is noted for greeting friends with the question, What has become clear to you since we last met? His intent, according to historians, was an invitation to challenge guests to assess the progress of their thinking. There is always room to grow and new ways to know yourself. Thank you so much. That's beautiful. Um, at the beginning of the book, Lexi calls herself, and she says that she's enthusiastic. And I think that that is so telling. You are. She, our very own enthusiastic minister. We're so lucky. We are so lucky. So um, lastly, um, where, where can this book be purchased? Well, you can actually purchase it on knowyourselfbook.com knowyourselfbook.com and it's available in Audible my uh, very close friend Sally Seligman narrated it for me so Mm -hmm. you can download an Audible it's on Kindle and of course it's available on paperback so you can go to knowyourselfbook.com and it takes you to Amazon so you can order that Wonderful. but I have a a free book for everybody who's here (laughs) (laughs) so thank you very much Okay, and um, so next uh, we have a hymn. So Heidi will lead us in How Great Thou Art. Let's stand up and sing. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you, and if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.